Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to sense that God is doing something. Um, uh, we're excited about our following Jesus in all the ways of life and in every way of life. And that's uh, the, the theme that we've been looking at. Alan did a great job last uh, Sunday. I was up in Fermanagh, but I listened to the podcast and uh, on looking at uh, being a disciple in the marketplace, which is really, really important. Um, and uh, and I think we 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 need we need to we need to keep looking at our hearts. I don't know any you you ever followed anybody that keeps their left foot in the brake? Ever followed anybody and their brake lights are on at all the wrong times, and you know that they're touching the brake pad? You shouldn't drive with your left foot. Did you know you shouldn't touch the brake with your left foot? Did you know that? All right, you all use husbands now. Look at your wives right now and say, "Don't ever do that again." All right, well, I'm in big trouble now, aren't I? Huh. And all you wives are going to look back and say, well, why don't you ask for directions? You want to try that? Somebody once said that husbands are men when they're born, they're held up by the midwife and slapped in the bum and said, never ask for directions. I think that's true. But you know, your left foot, if you have an automatic car like I have, you don't use your left foot at all. You drive with your right foot, all right? If you're driving a, a manual car, then you, the, your left foot's just for the clutch, just, just this is highway code stuff, um, and you drive brake and accelerator with your right foot, all right? And yet, I'm, I'm using the little illustration for a bit of fun to, 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 to show you that sometimes in our lives, especially in our prayer lives, there are little things that just aren't right. Sometimes there's just little unctions that just aren't performing right. Left foot in the brake when you're trying to drive means red lights everywhere. It means smoking brakes. It means not arriving at your destiny in time. And so it is in our prayer lives, if we're not good about this, if we're not understanding this, that we, that we, that we allow ourselves to understand what God has sent to us in prayer. At the now, I wrote this little thing out. I wanted to put it on the flip chart so it would stay in front of you, that prayer is not just an opportunity to drop something off, but it's actually more of an opportunity to pick something up, all right? Sometimes we treat prayer as dropping off. It's a bit of a drop-off point where we drop our requests off, and we fail to see it as a place where we actually pick something up. And I want us to talk a little bit about that. So one of the, one of the big practices that characterizes most of the church planting movements that I'm familiar with um, is around prayer walking, which is really important. That's what I'm going to talk about today, and we're going to respond to that at the end. So one of the core components of success of any church that I've seen rapidly grow disciples has all been formed around prayer walking. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a quick talk because it's quite self-explanatory around prayer talking and then, prayer walking, sorry, and then I'm going to try and take about 15 minutes and talk to you a little bit about why you mightn't do it. All right, because I had a little prompting of the Holy Spirit this week, a little few little nudges of maybe that we're just not done with some of the prayer stuff yet and some of the hindrances to prayer. All right, um, this is a, when the Lord leads you into a certain neighborhood uh, where you live, maybe, or where you feel that uh, 
that you want to do something, we would do well to prepare the ground to do some prayer walking. It's how this church started. And the very first thing ever we did was to prayer walk and prepare the ground. When we moved to Lurgan here back in 2000, back 19, 18, 19 years ago, the very first thing we did was we did a prayer walk of the whole area. We prayer walked the whole town, and we actually got Francie McCorry, who's a historian, a local historian, a, a retired school teacher and a, a historian in the town, and we got him for three or four Wednesday, for four Wednesday nights, and he came in and he gave us a whole detailed account of the history of our town. What we learned back then was that Lurgan was built, was a bottling town, it was a bottling area for, for alcohol long before it ever was recognized as a town. And it makes you wonder why Buckfast has the highest sales in Lurgan as anywhere else in the world. It makes you realize that there's a history to this, that there's a, there's a root to it that, that maybe we need broken. So we did this thing called spiritual mapping. And I was looking last night, I was trying to look through my, uh, my study um, at home, maybe it's in here somewhere, but we did come up with a dossier of, of stuff on spiritual mapping on the history of our town um, back then. So it's really important that we do this sort of stuff. And in Matthew 12, Jesus um, gives an illustration in his defense against an attack by the Pharisees, and they accused him of casting out demons uh, devils by the power of devils, or casting out demons by the power of the devil. And this is how he replied. He says, how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his goods? So it's really important to figure out who the strong man is. The easiest thing for us to say would be, oh, the strong man is the devil. And that's true. The strong man is the devil. But it's more than that. When we look at our town, when we begin to realize, so when Daniel 10, when the answer, when Gabriel came with the answer to Daniel's prayer, and he said, when the first day you prayed, your prayer was heard in heaven, but for 21 days, we fought against the prince of Persia. Now, who was that? That wasn't the devil. It was one of his demons. It was one of his princes, one of his demon princes over the area. So it's important for us to understand what is going on over our area. And it's also important that you understand how to pray for it. We don't actually fight those on our own, all right? We use God and the hordes of heaven, um, the warring angels, to fight those, all right? There's a, please don't do that. Our remit is on earth. This here is a, a whole different game um, whenever it comes to praying. And so it's really important to understand that. So I remember back 25 years ago when we were praying over Lurgan, one of the things that God, one of the pictures that God gave me was that of an octopus. And it was that, um, that there was all of these things that, that so we, we had drug abuse, we had alcohol abuse, we had mental health, we had all other kinds of injustices and all of these tentacles of, of an octopus, but the actual the actual heart and, and center of it all was sectarianism. And I believe it still is. And these are all these things actually move through paramilitary groups. They always have and they, they still do. And we've all got these kinds of different paramilitary things. And so there's a sectarian spirit of hatred that divides. And, 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 and I think that's one of the things that we need to conquer in our town. And that's why we we, we, we planted a church right on the divide, right between Protestant and Catholic in, in a little broken town that is almost clearly divided by that street out there, or clearly united, I should say, 
by that street out there. So it's defining who the strong man is. And of course, in Joshua 1.3, God tells Joshua that he's about to give him every place where the sole of his feet tread. Hence, we prayer walk. So there's something about prayer walking. There's something about walking into the victory of God. This is really, really important that we understand this. Um, and uh, in, in this whole context of, of understanding how to pray. So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're going on site with insight. <laughs> we're going on site with insight. So when Warwick does his business as an architectural uh, person, he will go on site. And I'm sure before he goes on site, he has got some insight. He has done some homework. He's got some stuff on that. That's what he's calling us to do. When Joshua and Caleb walked throughout the promised land with a desire to see, as God saw it, they wanted to see it with a godly vision, all right, in identifying enemy powers that did so in the context of a superior power, a holy God who was in control of all things. So while we need to be aware of the enemy, we need to be in awe of God. Always remember that. Aware of the enemy in awe of God. And that's really important, all right? And that's why um, we need to look for things that aren't seen, all right? So whenever um, Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, I've preached in this verse several times in here, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So there were giants in the land, there were cities and great walls, and, but Joshua and Caleb believed that God could give it to them. This is what they said. I love this. If you read Numbers 13 and part of 14, you'll get the story. He says, Joshua and Caleb said, God will lead us into that land. We will swallow them up. <laughs> this is what they said about the giants. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. So as you go prayer walking, it's really important to do some things that we're going to look at. The first thing, as Dave referred to, is you need, to, you, need to, you need to prepare yourself and you need to seek God for your own personal cleansing um, and covering in your personal life. I shared this with our staff last uh, Monday morning in our staff meeting that any servant of, of Christ poses, who poses a, a, a bit of a threat to the powers of hell will be targeted them and their family. Now, that's not to make you fear, and that's not to make you do something. Actually, that excites me, all right? You just need to, I always say, flies can't land on a hot stove. And so you just keep yourself hot. Keep yourself in the presence of God. Keep yourself before Him in prayer. So the believer must stand guard through prayer, praying over himself, herself, over their family, over their church, over the work of the Lord, uh, I heard one lady pray this one time, protect us, Lord, from dangers and enemies seen and unseen. I love that little prayer. Protect us from dangers and enemies seen and unseen. So as I said earlier, when it comes to prayer walking, the most effective form of spiritual warfare inspired by God and promised to Joshua was, I am going to give you every square inch of land that you put your foot on. So he's, what he's saying is, if you don't claim it. If you don't walk on it, you're not getting it. That's basically what he's saying. So there's something very powerful about this, and we can walk the victory of Jesus, I believe, into our neighborhoods, into our cities, and our nations, and in faith we walk believing that, that uh, as the soles of our feet hit the ground, we are appropriating the work of Jesus over principalities and powers and influencing atmospheres and shaping the narratives of our cities. 
1995, I had a really bad house fire. We lost our home in a fire, and um, our, my house was built on a little bit of a gradient, and the back, my, my plastic oil tank melted with the heat of the fire coming out of the kitchen. It started in around the garage. It was an electrical fault in the, in the garage, and it spread into the kitchen. I lost a, my home in a fire, and then the oil melted, and the oil ran down the, the back, and I lost my car. I was a lorry driver. I lost the lorry in the fire, and I lost a dog and two cats um, in, in a fire. So it was a horrible fire, and um, you can imagine with all of that oil that ran everywhere, our garden and everything was... It was a mess, and we. So what he did was the insurance allowed us a mobile home, and we put a mobile home on the site, and we lived in this mobile home while they were fixing, rebuilding the house, and um, and God began to speak to me at this time, 1995. God began to speak to me about prayer walking. Have you ever prayer walked your property? And so I began to do this, and, and I began to anoint my feet with oil. Desi talks about this, Desi and Henry. And I began, now if you do this, be careful you don't slip, all right? But um, I, I would anoint my feet with oil. I would just put a dab of oil in my foot, and I would begin to walk around the property. And, and this was back in 95, and I walked round and round the property, and I'd pray protection over my family, I'd pray protection over my kids, I'd pray protection over, I just said, God, no, no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper, and God, I'm just praying that you protect my property. Now, and this, this, you know me, you know I'm not wacky, I think you do that, know that anyway, but I can tell you something, I began to see the ground prosper, I began to see the garden prosper, I began to we got some new animals. I felt God even watched over them. Now, you might laugh at that, but I'm telling you it's the truth. I saw it with my own eyes because, you see, Bible, God's interested in everything about us. The Bible says if we don't worship Him, even the very stones and very rocks will cry out. So, prayer walking for me is something very, very powerful, all right? And we need to do that. We need to rewrite the story of our areas, of the places where we live. And I think each time we take a step in Jesus' name, we weaken something in the enemy's grip. And we weaken something in, the, in his um, stuff that subverts the, the, the systems um, of this world. I just think it weakens something. I think it, 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 it weakens the injustices. It does something as we walk into this together. I love this, Abraham Cooper, I think is how you pronounce his name, or Kuiper or Cooper. He said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine, mine. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So prayer walks thrusts us out of our churches um, thrust us out of our buildings, forcing us to resist the temptation to stay inward focused, stirring us to keep the mission front and center, which is really, really important. And it engages all of our senses, all right? It rouses us to cry out to God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it's not elevating ourselves, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And as we walk with defiant hope into every crack and crevice and into every uh, part of our cities and towns and villages, then something begins to happen. Now, prayer walking uses all of our senses. So it uses sight, 
sound and smells, all right? Really important to understand the senses that God gives you that you will use. You engage both body and mind when you pray, when you prayer walk. All right, it's really important to do this. And when we walk in victory and therefore pray in victory, let us remember the way the victory was won. It was won through sacrificial self-emptying. And so our war cry can be nothing more or nothing less than this in Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. All right? So as we prayer walk, let's not get so consumed with the forces of darkness or maybe even with our own adrenaline rush of our own importance or triumphalism that we get our eyes off Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. So let's walk our streets with a, a, a posture of humility, all right, repentance and unity, and let us declare that his sacrifice is more than enough for the redemption of all the people in our communities, all right? Now, when you prayer walk, there are some practical things, all right? You don't want to be walking around with a placard, you know, and, and shouting through a, a hailer. Please don't do that. If you do that, we might have to shoot you, all right? Um, but you want to do it humbly. You want to do it quietly. You want to do it respectfully. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. Good, if you can, to do it in, in couples, although if it's in your own community, there's no problem with you going out on your own and so, um, Pete Gregg has a new book just out in prayer, and Al wrote some practical stuff for the back of his book. And one of the little um, work parts that Al actually put together for Pete's book was this little acronym here on, on prayer walking, which I think is really, really helpful. Um, because the Bible actually tells us that when two of us agree, I love the way the message puts it, when two of you get together in anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. So let's get them into action. Let's activate them, all right? So um, our little acronym on WALK is uh, uh, W-L-K, of course, and so it's to worship. So as you set off, you, you begin by setting your eyes on Jesus, say the name of Jesus, recite a psalm, Hum a worship song, sing it if you quietly if you want, speak quietly in tongues, anything that basically helps you declare the lordship of Jesus over the streets you walk on. So worship is really important. So you're going out with a worshipful heart. And then A is asking and flowing from your worship, begin petitioning God for a spirit to fall in the streets that you walk on, the homes, the businesses, the the schools, other churches that you might pass, if you know of something that's going on in a home, a home where somebody's just lost a loved one or something, pray specifically for those homes. Be specific and pray for people in their situations, the people, pray for the people of peace in, in your community, that God will begin to, to show you the men and women of peace that, that, um, uh, that would open up doors of opportunity even into your community. And then listen, this is really important, all right, as you worship and pray, leave space to listen. Listen to what God might want to say, and then pray it back to Him. <clears throat> Often God may give you a promise from Scripture or a prophetic word or a picture, and listen for the redemptive root of your town and city, and literally walk this promise all over it. So when I say that, what I mean is, you, I don't think God designed Lurgan to be a bottling town for alcohol. Uh, but what was the redemptive route? What, what would God have called us for? If we're believer called for such a time as this, what might it be? What might God have called us for? And pray and ask God and listen for Him to speak to us in that realm. And if you're prayer walking in twos, listen to one another's prayers, and you might find yourself sparking off one another 
as you pray. And then third or fourthly is to the kid and know your land. Get and keep yourself informed around the area you're prayer walking. Research some of its history, some of its ongoing problems so you can pray for breakthrough. If you come down Julie's kitchen, our links building is to the if you look up that, if you went to our back door now and looked up the entry right up onto the street, the Lynx building's to the right hand side. When we bought this building, that that Lynx side had a had a notified over a hundred years old that it was never allowed to be used for the preaching of the gospel. It was never to be allowed to be used by a church or for the preaching of the gospel. And that was that was this building. And so I went to the solicitor, and the solicitor said to me at that time, Phil, it's over 100 years old, probably whoever wrote that is dead and gone. I just forget about it. I said, don't want to forget about it. And he said, well, probably the thing we need to do, we need to write to them, and we need to write to their descendants and find out, you know. And I said, how much would it take? And he says, probably two or three hundred pounds. And I said, do it. So he wrote to the, and it turned out it was two old spinster ladies who live in Dublin, and I don't know what the, what the link of that was, but it was declared that this building would never be used for the proclamation of the gospel. And we broke that legally, and then we broke it spiritually. <laughs> we broke it legally, so that's written off. We, we got notification back. And then we went to war on that, and we began to pray. And I remember the morning we went around there, it was just Jerry actually prophesied that morning that we went around, we broke bread in it. It was just an old store. And I remember Jerry prophesying that morning that while it was a store for bringing in the raw material and then bringing it up into the shop when it was prepared and ready, that that's what it was going to be. It was going to be a place where, where the raw material would come in and God would redeem it and it would go to um, where people would come in that maybe they weren't ready for church, and church wasn't ready for them, and all of that. So, really important. Get get to know some of the current situations that require persevering prayer. You might need to keep going at this. All right. Really important. As I say, when Moses uh, sent the spies in, what he was doing, he was doing a national survey, and that's basically what we need to do. Prayer walking means taking our our prayers into every place where we desire to see God's presence manifest and prayers answered. All right, so, and prayer walking is the powerful dynamic of praying on site with God's insight. <laughs> so, praying on site with God's insight. Now, that's prayer walking, all right? It's pretty self explanatory. We're going to give you oil and all. There's these little bottles of oil that we filled this week. Um, did a great job. Tash and the guys and Jelly and all filled all these 400 of them. So, it was a, thank you for doing that. That was laborious. Grant got drafted into that too, a scene. So uh, it was great to see all hands on deck. So here's a verse I want to talk to you about for a minute or two. 10, 15 minutes. Give me 15 minutes, all right? Really important. Why, why would some of you not do this? Why would some of you leave this building and say, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I should do that. I don't think that's for me to do. Why would you not do it? Well, in this passage, in this great passage, Paul begins to outline, and he says, not that I have already obtained all this. I, I love the way he starts with humility. He said, like, I'm not writing this as somebody who has achieved. I'm not writing this from up here. I'm writing, working this out down here. And he says, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which, for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, here's the thought. Here's the thought. We, we live our lives sometimes with the fact that God pursues us, and He does. So if this podium is like God's presence, and as we walk, the presence of God 
pursues us. That's the way we, we live our lives. And this presence of God is chasing us down. That's what happens. So he, Paul writes here and he says, this, this thing that has taken hold of me, he said, I love the way he says this. He said, I press on to take hold of that which has taken hold of me. Now you've God's sovereignty and you've man's responsibility right here in this verse. And people have fought for years. Calvinists and Arminianists have fought for years over this. I think it's self-explanatory, but I have just a simple mind. But anyway, here, here's the idea. The sovereignty of God chases us down, and we go. See the direction we're going? We're heading away. And this thing, God has taken hold of us, and it follows us, it pursues us everywhere we go. Paul says there needs to come a time in your life when you turn around and you actually begin to take hold of what's taking hold of you. Now that is pretty cool right there. There needs to be this moment where you begin to realize that you can't always run off in the other direction and the presence of God, while it will pursue you till the day you die, there comes a moment in someone's life when they turn around. This is what happened to Paul. And he turns around, and instead of it pursuing him, he begins to take hold of what was trying to take hold of him. Some of you need to do that. Some of you need to take hold of what is taking hold of you. Now, he says some other things in this passage, which is very, very powerful, and uh, we're going to see them as we go along. Now, there's, a, there's, a, there's an idea in Scripture. It's called, if you're a studier of the Bible, you will know this. It's called the law of first mention. So if you've ever studied the Bible in any depth, you'll have, you'll have heard of this phrase. What it simply means is that the law of first mention is when you read about something for the first time, that's usually the way you'll experience it from then on. So the law of first mention is, is sort of saying, this is the way you can expect this thing to happen from now on. So for instance, in Genesis 1, when you be, read in the beginning, God, he's creating. So you can imagine then every time God turns up, you can expect something creative to come from his hand because it's the law of first mention. The Holy Spirit, he's mentioned in the second verse of... <clears throat> In the second verse of Genesis 1, he's mentioned, and he's moving upon the face of the deep. So is it any wonder in Acts 2, when he turns up, he's moving in a powerful way, and fire and in tongues, that, which seemed like that, he's moving because that was the law of first mention. He's moving in Genesis 1, he's moving in Acts 2. When he turns up here today, we needn't expect anything less, because the law of first mention represents what we can experience. That's what the law of first mention does, all right? So it's really important to understand that. And so whenever God turns up and we're going to move into his presence, when we take hold of what has taken hold of us, we can expect all of those first mentions actually to start coming through us. Because you see, God's word through our mouth is every bit as powerful as God's word through his mouth. God's word through our mouth, when we speak his word out, his word through your mouth is every bit as powerful as his mouth, because it's the law of first mention, all right? And we can expect something to happen in this. Now, there's some, well, well, then he says this, he says, he says, I haven't achieved, but he says, I've taken hold what's taken hold of me. And then he says, this one thing I do, I forget those things that lay behind. Now, if we're going to do something over the next seven days, as we do something over these next seven days, which I think is going to be really powerful, we maybe need to forget what happened the last seven days. 
Now, whenever Paul says forget, he's talking more, the Greek analogy of it is more about letting go. Now, I need, I need some people to help me here. And I, I said this in the first service. I know I've been doing this a little bit, so don't be freaked out. But, and I won't ask you to do anything embarrassing. I promise that, all right? So Dave's going to come because Dave helped me the first time. Dixie, would you come? Garth, would you and Maddie and Ryan come? Three big fellas, so not five. I need five. Okay. Um, Dave's destiny. He knows the ropes. Ryan will be, would you just stand in there and can you, that's your, your, he's your past, all right? And then I'll give you these in a wee minute, all right? Um, now, here's, here's the thing, here's, here's the thing, right? Just because your past is behind you doesn't mean it's behind you. I'll say that again. Just because your past is behind you doesn't mean it's behind you. Because what, what can happen is, what can happen is, we, we, can, we can get our minds all twisted up. And so what happens is, what happens is, my past is my past. And time has a way of leaving my past behind, but in our heads, we relive it all the time. And so instead of walking this way towards our destiny, we, 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 get, we actually turn the wrong way and we get locked into our past. And so while it should be behind us, it's not behind us, all right? Time has put it behind us, but our heads hasn't put it behind us. Now, t- past, your past has three mates, all right? Now, this one is called fear, and I made a real mess of this, and then I thought, well, fear makes a mess of you, so we'll just leave it the way it is, all right? And then um, shame, and then guilt. You come, will you just come over here, will you say, and, and what happens is, Whenever, I, whenever I'm focused on my past, whenever I, I focus on my past and, and don't focus on my destiny, my past three mates come and what they do is they, 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 they close me in. So they, they sort of, they come in against me, all right? And they begin to close in around me and I get locked in on my past. And try as hard, what, what fear and shame and guilt will do, they will stop you from trying to turn around. <laughs> and you'll think, well, I could do a prayer walk, but then <laughs> I tried it before and it didn't really work. <laughs> or you've done it that many times and you always make a cod of it, so why would you do it? Or just forget because you're not good enough. And my past three mates turn up, and all the time, destiny is over there calling my name and, and shouting out for me to respond. And, and the thing about destiny is, destiny's not standing over there waiting to try and figure out <clears throat> what they're going to do. Destiny's not wondering what to do with you when, when you get there. Destiny, God has your destiny worked out. And the last thing I want for anybody in this church is to arrive home to heaven and destiny to say it was all there for you, but you got yourself all locked into your past and you couldn't break down through those three. And so what the job, what our job is to do as warriors of God is we need to break through the ranks of fear and shame. I love doing this, pushing these big fellas about. And break through and run into the arms of destiny. (laughs) Dave's lovely, isn't he? Um, I knew it had to be other Dave or Warwick. And... um, 
And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We run into the arms of destiny because we've broken. Now, you might be saying, well, Phil, that's not really me, all right? Because I, here's, here's the thing. Now, you turn, turn your three things around. You keep yours the way it is, all right? For some of you, it mightn't be a bad thing. For some of you, it might be a good thing. It might be, you might be here this morning thinking, boy, Phil, if you knew what I've done in the past, if you knew 20 years ago what I've done, because here's what happens is success sometimes allows us to get comfortable. And in Western civilization, while guilt, fear, and shame are very much alive, so are arrogance, pride, and self-righteousness. They're enemies of our past. And what happens is, you do the same if you come in around me again, they lock me into my past, and I begin to glory. Now, this time, they begin, instead of them being my enemies, they're my mates. So, so this is all good fun, because these are, these are my friends, you see, and destiny. I don't really, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I don't need that. And so what happens is the comfort of my self-righteousness, and, and you see, self-righteousness, pride, and arrogance, they puff you up, hence the little phrase I said that, full of yourself. And some of us are so full of ourselves that we're actually missing the destiny of what God has for us instead of breaking through. So thanks, guys. Thanks so much for doing that. That wasn't hard, sure, it wasn't? Right. Um, here, here's, the, here's the point about this. Here's the point about this. You see, God just didn't save you to bring you from something. He saved you to bring you to something. He just didn't save you to bring you out of something. He saved you to bring you into something. And as we prayer walk, what we're doing is we're actually stepping into something. That's why Joshua in chapter 24 said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, I am not serving guilt and fear, and shame. I am not serving self-righteousness, and pride, and arrogance. He said, I, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so there's something in us today to choose to do this. Now, you could sit in your seat and say, well, I'm not going to do a prayer walk, and that's up to you. If you're cynical in here, Paul Reed said to me years ago, he said, Phil, I always said at my church, if you're skeptical, come and talk to me. If you're cynical, you need to go and talk to God. And that's so true. And, and maybe, maybe you do need to talk to God about some of this stuff, but there's something about this power of God. Because you see, Paul goes on as he writes to the Philippine, Philippians here, and he, he uses two little phrases. He uses the word press and strain. You, you, can, you can hear the resistance in the words, can't you? He says, I press forward, straining you can see the whole idea of straining towards this goal. So there's something, there, there's something about the idea. He wouldn't use those words if it didn't mean resistance. He's saying it's going to take work. It's going to take pushing against the grain. It's going to, the purposes of God are there, but you're going to have to go after them, folks. They won't just come and land on your lap. You see, here's the thing. The greatest blessings sometimes are wrapped up in the greatest sufferings. The greatest blessings sometimes are wrapped up in the greatest sufferings and the, and the most significant sufferings. And I, I, Please hear me in this. The last thing I want to do is raise up a weak generation that runs away from suffering. And, and when suffering comes your way, you throw the whole banjang out and say, well, I don't believe in God if that's, that's what God does. 
I'm here to tell you that some of the most dangerous churches in our land today are churches who preach a prosperity message of healthy, wealthy, and wise. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. That no trouble will ever come near you, and no evil will come near your dwelling, and all of that. I am here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you today. Here, listen to me. Listen to me in this. There is something so powerful that you grab this that tough days will come. People will let you down. You will bury loved ones. It's part of who we are. It's appointed on the man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. Tough days will come. But he is the king and he is on the throne. And he is in all and over all. And the very emblem of Christianity itself is a cross of crucifixion. The, uh, and, and we're called to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Why Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. So tough days will come. And I believe in the blessings of God. And I believe in praying blessing. And I pr- believe in praying life. And I pr- believe in praying for healing. And I believe we have a God who heals today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I also believe we're in a kingdom that lives in attention of the not yet. And there are some little things that we just don't have answers for. And one day it's all going to be revealed and the kingdom's going to be consummated, and there's going to be no more death, and there's going to be no more crying, and there's going to be no more suffering, but not yet. So there's something about lifting this little bottle and coming into this. So, Stevie, would you come? We're going to finish with a song. Our time's gone. So here's what I'm saying. I don't want anything good, any good thing or any bad thing to take you away from the kingdom thing. God is a kingdom thing for you. And I don't want any good thing or any bad thing to take you away from the kingdom thing. I want us to break through in this. And I, 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 I have so much expectation about this week. See, as we prayer walk our district, I've seen it in operation before. And I think if we can get this together, imagine this, imagine this. Look, please be brave. Anybody in here believe that God could save your whole family? Do you believe you could? Ha. Yeah. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Well, do you think if he could save your whole family, he could save your whole street? Well, if he could save your whole street, do you think he could save your whole estate? And do you think if he could save your whole estate, he could save the whole town or the whole city? Or do you think, do you think that if he, if he could save the whole estate and the whole city, he could maybe save the whole nation? Like, for dear sakes, there's only five million people. Like, he saved about... 10,000 people in the first five, four, chap, four to five chapters of Acts. I don't know what the space of time was, but 3,000 of them were one day. 4,000 men only, not counting women and children, on another day in Acts 4. So God can do whatever He wants. And as we, as we do this, we move Him into action. This activates the heavenly realms. And please don't underestimate. So what we've done here, we've these little bottles of oil. Stevie's going to sing a song. And, and if you haven't got one of these little flyers, if you put your hand up, if you, if you haven't got one, stick your hand up now. Our guys are at the back, and they will give you one. Um, if you haven't got one, all right, just keep your hand up until you get one there. And will you take a moment and just fill it in? What we're asking you to do, there's a little box in the middle here. Will you come up and grab a bottle of oil, all right, and, and, and fill your little flyer in? Drop it into the basket with your pen, if you've got one of our pens, all right? Don't nick our pen, please, all right? I'll have to go after you. So, uh, 
Um, just we'll need them for next week. Um, but uh, fill us in. Let's do this as a, an act of togetherness. And we're in this together. We're going to see our city one. We're going to see our estate one. We're going to see our neighbors saved. We're going to see our families saved. Can you say an amen this morning? Let's not, let's not, let's not let the enemy lock us into our past and, and steal from the good thing that God would do. So let's worship together. Let's start moving. Let's grab your little ball of oil. Drop your flyer in. You keep, keep waving your hand and Tasha's going nine to the dozen there so let's worship together let's stand we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast for more information about our church and all that we do please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk